Welcome back to the Skits and Giggles podcast. I am Pascal, chief instigator of the show and your host. I'm joined by my co-host and our resident engineer, the audio to my visual. Bryson, how's it going today, buddy? Hey, Pascal, it's going good. And welcome back, Skigglers, to another episode. Well, the last time we spoke, um, we talked about you helping out James with some 3D printing of some sort. How's that going? Yeah, we kicked it off. Uh, he sent me some pretty cool designs. Uh, threw it in the computer. Uh, started to make some 3D out of it. And also ordered some material to make that. So we're going to use a, a bit of rubber kind of plastic. It's called TPU. And just to give uh, listeners an idea on the, uh, the material, it's sort of like the feeling of, uh, of a mountain bike grip. So it's soft, but not... Um, you know, it's not going to fold over when you use it. And the idea is that when you stamp down on the ink pad, it's able to conform to the ink pad, get a lot of surface area of ink on the rubber. And then when you stamp down on the, on the packaging, you're going to be able to uh, get all of that ink from that actual stencil or graphic onto the, the paper or the package. And the idea is that, for those who didn't hear season one, episode one, uh, James wants to make sure that he uh, contributes a little bit more to the environment. He lets people know that uh, they're not just getting an old ratty box. They're getting something that he decided that he's going to reuse that's good enough to protect the goods that he's shipping to them. And he's shipping you know, some really nice stuff around. So uh, I think big kudos on James for this initiative. And I'm really happy to help out. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, as Bryson said... If you guys uh, haven't listened to the episode with James, you can find it on our website or wherever else you listen to podcasts as uh, episode 32. Um, we called it the State of the Bike Industry 2022, and we basically just catch up with James on how things are going in the industry at the minute, where the pressure points, how things have improved or not. And, uh, and yeah, it was a good chat. But before we get to our conversation for today, let's briefly do our spiel with the social and where you guys can find more information about the Skits and Giggles podcast. We are currently most active on our Instagram, where you can skit right into our DMs and follow along at Skits and Giggles. And you can find our website with all the relevant links and info under the URL skitsandgiggles.com. Also, if you guys like what we're doing and want to know what's up, just give us a follow on Spotify. Hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to great podcasts. Speaking of Spotify, do you know that they have a rating system now? So you can give between one and five stars for podcasts? Yeah, I mean, that's a cool thing. They just released it at the beginning of the year. And uh, yeah, so if you guys like what we're doing, also on Spotify, you can uh, ship us a five-star rating. It helps us reach more people like you and helps us grow our show. For any reason you think that we don't deserve a five-star rating, we'd love to hear about it. Actually, it's one of my goals for this year is I really want to connect with more of our listeners. So please, I'm looking forward to it. Coming back to today's episode, we sat down with Darren Mace. Darren is the host of a mountain bike channel on YouTube, whereas the trail tracker, he is traveling around the country and the continent and the world um, to find cool trails and document those per, via video for his channel. He also does some other cool stuff like reviews of bikes and you know, silly science experiments with chain rings and such. Um, for us, it was really cool to hear the perspective of someone else that has taken his 
passion project public and uh, you know is basically pursuing his hobby via his video channel and is sharing that with his writing friends and uh, yeah so that was cool to hear and Bryson what uh, what did you think of the conversation yeah it's always great to talk to a fellow creator um, my big takeaway was his insight on um, his video mounting so I won't spoil it for the rest of the listeners but uh, I'm going to take this tip on and I think everyone should to create some great content where are you going to put your GoPro next? I don't know. They, they have like shoulder mounts, back mounts, seat mounts, all the mounts. All right. all right. Well, I guess you'll have to listen to the episode if you want to hear where the pros are putting their GoPros. We'll catch you guys after the show. Well, Darren, welcome to the Skits and Giggles podcast. How's it going today? Very good, thank you. It's been a day off. It's always a good day when you're not working. Absolutely. Bryson, how are you doing? Oh, just dandy, thanks. Very good, very good. Well, today we have you on to talk about YouTube, to talk about mountain biking in Switzerland, to talk about you know reviews and whatever else we want to talk about. So uh, why don't we uh, jump right into it and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about why, uh, why you're in Switzerland? What brought you here? Okay. Yeah, this is a, an interesting story. Uh, back in the 90s, I had a job. They sent me to Switzerland. And so I spent eight months commuting between London and Zurich every week. And you know how it is. You meet people, make friends. I stayed in contact with them, uh, I think, maybe five, six years after I left. Uh, I arranged to go snowboarding with a friend of mine and r who was lived in Zurich. And right at the last minute, he said, I'm sorry, I can't come. Don't worry, though. So I, I've arranged it for you. You're going snowboarding to Austria. <clears throat> I know somebody there. She's going to take care of you. She's been taking care of me ever since. There you go. That's a good story. And uh, so, yeah, and then uh, obviously the snowboarding that was successful in Zurich, of course, has its own appeals. But uh, has mountain biking always been a part of that? Or has that only been, uh, only been coming later once you were really here? I started mountain biking as a teenager. I think I was about 16 years old. I got a job at McDonald's to buy my first mountain bike. I earned that bike. Um, <clears throat> and I did it as a teenager. Then I went to university, discovered other things. Uh, left university, started motorbiking, motorbike riding. And then I came to Switzerland and I just looked at all the hills here. And I, was like, I have to buy a mountain bike and start mountain biking again. That's how that happened. Okay, there you go. You just want to explore. Yeah, I mean, I got here and I got one of those uh, Swiss single trail maps for my local area, and I just went off exploring. Okay. I wasn't, wor I wasn't working at the time, so I had time, and I just went and found every trail I could on that map. Okay, well, I mean, the, the Swiss single trail map, that's, uh, you know, that has now developed into you know, a very big database that uh, can be found on the, on the right homepage. And I believe you get access to it with uh, a ride subscription. Great magazine. If anyone wants to support the old uh, print print uh, magazines, and that's definitely a nice one. There we go. There it is. And uh, <clears throat> but uh, so today, what does your writing look like today? Um, 
still still exploring or do you just uh, ticking off the, the favorites from all that exploring you've done in the past i'm always exploring new trails that's what excites me going finding something new something that i've never ridden before new challenges i mean that's that's what it's all about really oh yeah for sure and um where uh, what are kind of are your your favorite riding spots at this stage i mean you've done a lot of exploring here in Switzerland, maybe? What is uh, what kind of the favorites? Oh, God. That's so hard to pick a favorite. I mean, it really is. There's so many great trails out there. And, you know, the last five trails I've ridden are usually my favorites. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to say. It's really hard to pick one. I really like Lenzerheide. I've done quite a few videos around there. I think they've got a really good scene on the go. <clears throat> Mostly outside the bike park is the stuff I really like in Lenzerheide, especially when you go over towards Arosa. That's pretty cool. Flims Larks, there's quite a lot of good stuff going on there as well. Uh, Ticino in the, vin in the winter, early season, late season. Um, outside Switzerland, the Pyrenees. Spain, European mountain bike in heaven. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I have a friend of ours, for a former guest actually, has also done some exploring in the Pyrenees, and he's also very, very impressed. And uh, yeah, I think uh, we need to we need to put that on our map. Explore a little bit abroad. Oh, for sure. There's so many trails. It's so empty. You see so few people. Massive descents. Great weather. Okay. One uh, question we like to ask when uh, you know when we have guests on that ride a lot in Switzerland is always when they and you obviously you've been there before right so you're you have lived you're, you came from somewhere else uh, you came here to ride you came here to explore and then we always ask mm -hmm. kind of okay where you have guests that are coming to visit you from abroad where we're going to bring them to to ride if you want to show them the best uh, that. Uh, that Switzerland has to offer. Is that the same as your favorite spots or would you take someone that is not used to riding in Switzerland to a different spot? I take them to places I like, for sure. I mean, most of the friends I know that ride, uh, I'm pretty sure if I like it, they're going to like it too. Uh, top of the list, I, big loop around Lenta Heide Rosa. People, okay. It blows people's minds. Like okay. all, that, all that climbing, all that descending with very little climbing, it's amazing. Um, the four up trail in Flims, sensational. It's a really great long descent from the glacier all the way down to Flims. And friends that like bike parks, there really is only one place to go, and that's the Alpen Bike Park in Cord. That's where I take them to because that place rocks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, but I guess you know, all that exploring is that, um, is that what drives you to ride or what, uh, what else are you getting out of riding? What, what inspires your riding these days? Riding's a release, you know, it's uh, something that takes me away from what I'm doing every day of the week, gives me time to process my thoughts, especially on the way up the hill. And then descents for me, it's like meditation. You're so focused on the trail that it just empties your mind of everything else and then nothing else matters when you get to the bottom of the trail it's just amazing i i don't know what i would do with my time if i didn't mountain bike oh for sure i mean I, certainly that that sentiment of, of being in the moment and being present in the moment is certainly what uh, what appeals to many including myself 
Um, and I think also, you know, yes, everyone loves to ride a bike and riding on the road and all that and the kind of the fitness and all that. But I don't get that feeling from riding a road bike of where there is nothing else because there, you know, in, uh, certainly on a, on a downhill, you're so, you have to be present. It's like the mm -hmm. same as if you speak to motocrossers, right? So they, there is no space for anything else between the ears. <laughs> Otherwise things are going horribly wrong. And, uh, and I think that's also what makes it so so addictive, especially if you have otherwise a relatively full life, a busy life, or a stressful life. That's uh, that's kind of what what makes it so appealing for many. Definitely, and obviously, being a bit of an adrenaline junkie, ah. mountain biking kind of fits that pretty well. All right. Well, you already uh, mentioned it a little bit, uh, the videos. So um, so how did uh, YouTube enter all of this? I just got an idea one day. I was like, I watch a lot of YouTube. I all I go diving a lot with my partner, um, and I'd always make videos of our diving holidays. And I thought, why don't I just make videos of mountain biking? That could be fun. Literally on a whim, I bought a GoPro and went out and filmed one of my favorite local descents and put it on YouTube. I had no idea what I was doing. I just gave it a go. And uh, how did the and trail tracker? So that's your your YouTube channel. Has that always mm -hmm. been uh, part of that idea, or has that only developed once you started making those videos? Yeah, it was literally a name I invented f for the channel. I start, okay. you know, a bit of alliteration, same letter at the beginning of the two words. Let's go for that. Sounds good. Okay. And then oh. I discovered there was another trail tracker on YouTube. Oh no! Well, what a blows your mind yeah. but he doesn't make videos anymore he was just starting up around the same sort of time as me i had no idea that you could have the same name as somebody else but his channel unfortunately seems to have kind of tailed off and i don't see any videos from him anymore i guess you were just too successful and then he was like nah <laughs> i'm out of here yeah i don't know he's from belgium so it's kind of a slightly different audience i guess <laughs> Well, and yeah, so well, but Belgium, Belgium does have a bit of riding. So from what I hear, I've never ridden personally myself there, but uh, maybe not quite the the mountain biking scene as uh, as Switzerland. But uh, just for the listener that have uh, never seen or heard of your uh, your YouTube channel, can you briefly describe for us what uh, what the trail tracker entails? What is it all about? I kind of like to set it up a little bit like a like a mountain biking magazine. I don't just do one thing. I do a little bit of everything, show people trails, show people places where they can ride. I've got my whole little thing where I do my trail tracker pseudo scientific tests where I'll go and like change chain ring in the middle of a ride and go and do a climb again and see which one's quickest. Um, like reviews of holidays, some little reviews of various different products. I just try and do lots of different things, keep it fresh, do things that interest me. Of the things that you just talked about, which ones are the ones that uh, are kind of uh, the most interesting to you or, or are those all things that you would do anyway? I guess when I get to go and ride brand new trails and make videos about that or ride new places and make videos about that, that's what's really interesting for me because you get to go somewhere and you get to live through that trail at least twice because you live through it when you ride it and you live it again when you edit the video. And that's amazing. I really enjoy that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, I've watched some of your videos 
And uh, well, on the one hand, you can tell that you guys are you're having a, a good time, uh, which is obviously the, the goal of the whole exercise. Um, but also, uh, yeah. So I mean, it's generally it is very well produced, and uh, <clears throat> you know, again. We, we all live here, we all ride here, and uh, it's always a pleasure to, even if it's not yourself riding, it's it's cool to to have these POV videos to to relive um, relive those experiences. And as I said before we hit record, I've actually, uh, one of your videos, I used it to prepare for one of the races I did last year, uh, because you dropped it literally the week before the race. Uh, that was the Great White in Lenzerheide, mm-hmm. and uh, that was uh, that was <laughs> was good because the trail was more or less brand new for the for that summer season. Mm-hmm. Very cool trail. Yeah, what is uh, what was your impression? Of course, people can watch the video, but uh, the highlight reel from that uh, from that video, maybe. I have spoken to so many people about this trail, and I've waxed lyrical about it. I, I just think it is a work of art. It really is. The rock work is like rock work I haven't seen anywhere else. And I've ridden a lot of places. I've been to British Columbia twice for riding holidays. And the rock work on the Great White Trail is right up there with the best of them, for sure. Also, a thing I noted from, from the videos is that you always ride with uh, with someone else. Or you do that specifically because uh, you just want to have that perspective and that interaction with your buddies? Or... Um, or what's the what's the game plan behind uh, behind your riding partners? Yeah, most of the videos I make of trails, uh, I try and put a follow cam aspect in because I just think it looks much better and you get a much better idea of a trail if you can see someone in front of you. Um, I actually do a lot of riding on my own around my local area. I There's no better way for me to wind down from a day at work than just head out on my own with my own thoughts and I don't know, make my trail up as I go along kind of thing. And are you always riding with the GoPro or are you just doing that deliberately when, you, when you're trying to make a new video? I ride a lot with a GoPro, but I don't make videos out of every ride I do. And when I'm riding locally, I don't always go with the GoPro because I've made videos about most of my local trails now and I'm not mad keen on creating videos of trails that i've already done i'm more into kind of finding new things bringing something new all the time so if uh, so talking about your your home trails i mean if we ever want to come out to to ride in your area where can you tell us a little bit about uh, where you live and uh, what the scene is around there i obviously know a little bit about it from my junior days but bryson doesn't okay so i live in the Zurich Highlands. It's kind of north of Zurich. Uh, they call it the Highlands, but I mean, we're talking hills up to about 12, 1300 meters. But you've got four, 500 meters of descent on quite a few different trails. Um, it's an area that is just littered with footpaths. So there's tons and tons of places to ride. There's lots of different trails. It helps to know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, you can easily end up on a trail that's just not great for riding. Um, but to have it on your doorstep, it's amazing. I had a friend over visiting in kind of late summer, early autumn, and he was blown away. He was like, oh, my God, you have, like, some amazing tech trails right on your doorstep. Um, and he lives in the UK, so and it's really flat where he lives, so he doesn't have much, but he's been riding lots of different places, and he was he was very impressed. It's pretty cool. I like it a lot. 
Ah, for sure. It's a it's a great area. It does certainly, as I said, an area with a with a long history in in mountain biking. But um, <clears throat> of course, when we talk about trails, certainly in the area of Zurich, there's a you know this this question of uh, the sanctioned trails versus not so sanctioned trails. Um, how is that in uh, in your area? Um, virtually all the trails we ride are footpaths, so. Um, shared use, you know, I, I'm a big, big, big advocate of, you know, watching out for walkers, giving walkers the right of way, uh, sharing the trails. There's enough space for everybody. I mean, I ride my trails a lot and I can do lots of rides where I won't see a single person. So if I do happen to see someone, hang back, give them some space um, and, and we can all profit from those trails. I think that's definitely the way forward. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, if you see if you see what uh, what happens in some of the cantons with, uh, let's say, in air quotes, uh, an official shared trail policy, um, you know that that seems to be working uh, very well. Um, and it's just some in other cantons, it's not not quite so open and free and interpreted the same way. Um, but uh, when you make videos, and sorry if I keep going on about the videos, I find this uh, relatively fascinating. Um, is uh, the um, are you only ever uh, traveling to to sanctioned trails? I assume, or have you also done videos of uh, spicier side routes? In Switzerland, I don't think I've really ridden much in the way of unsanctioned trails, and certainly haven't put them on video. Uh, but when I went to the UK over Christmas, I rode some trails there, and the scene in the UK is a bit different here, and lots of them are pretty much unsanctioned trails um but it's widely accepted so i'll definitely be making some videos of those the uh, other thing i've noted on your channel you obviously you obviously do quite a few um bike bike review and bike testing videos um what uh what has been the the driving force behind that is that uh you just you you know you, t you have your bike and you you give an honest review is that those are the questions you ask yourself um how, what is the, the driving force behind those videos? It's a great excuse to try lots of bikes out. <laughs> I think that's the, that's, that's the principal thing. Um, and, and those videos are super popular. You know? Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, I'm going to try these bikes out. I usually do it when there's not so much riding going on. So I tend to focus on those kind of things in spring in particular as the riding season's starting to kick off. I might not have a lot of trails to video, uh, so I might not have a lot of film to put out. So I'll go and try a bike out, put together my thoughts, what I think. It's always a bit risky. Not everybody agrees with what you think. You can get a bit, little bit of vitriol if you kind of say you don't like a bike that somebody else loves. <laughs> but I guess that's part of the course. We've all got different opinions, and and that's what's so amazing about the whole thing, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's one uh, one aspect I want to come back uh, later is is uh, you know that if you look at your your comment section on your channel, it's it's uh, very civilized and uh, and very engaged. So that's that's something I really want to come back to later. Um, but I have I have a few more more things that I want to touch on um, in terms of the. Um, the grand master plan for the channel do you do you have a clear vision in which way you want to develop um in which kind of area of your channel that you want to push forward with or are you keeping that kind of open and whatever is fun for yourself 
Yeah, there is no master plan. I'd love to be able to tell you there was, but but there isn't. It's like a, a week by week effort. Like, what video am I going to make this week? If I can get one week ahead of the videos, that's amazing. But it rarely happens. I'm usually making a video each week, and that's the video that goes out. And you know, I just do it because I enjoy it. I'm not. I like I said, I don't have this huge master plan. I, I don't know where it's going to go. I'm kind of excited to see where it will go. But you do make it a deliberate practice that uh, you try to put something out every week and try to to engage with the with the channel and to kind of uh, you know also there's of course a bit of a science to it right so kind of feeding algorithms feeding uh, feeding certain uh, certain other channels etc so is that part of of your process? I kind of like to try and put a video out every week. And everybody says you should put a video out every week, at least one, if not two, and have a schedule and stick to that schedule. And I'm rubbish at sticking to the schedule because life just gets in the way. I mean, editing videos is a time-consuming business. Uh, I enjoy doing it, but I have to fit it in around my life. And that just means that some weeks a video comes out on a Thursday and then maybe next week one will come out on a Sunday and that's just the way it is but i i aim for more or less one a week recently i've been doing a little bit more because i've been doing some raw edits as well and i try and drop those in between my more structured videos should we say so when you say raw edit it could be anything from like one and a half minute clip of just pov riding your trail to yeah maybe a short section of another video a longer edit that you would have put out or how do you mean raw? So at the moment, I went, I went, when was it? In October, I spent a week in the Pyrenees and I did a huge amount of riding. So at the moment, I'm putting out uh, raw descents from there. I edit them down slightly. So otherwise you get like 15 minutes sent and me like doing this huge traverse in the middle. Uh, so I try and edit them down a bit to uh, a watchable length, but I don't do any voiceovers on them. I correct the colour a little bit, but but that's it. They don't take very long to put together, um, and people seem to be interested in watching them. Not as many as watch the other videos, but there's definitely a core of followers that really like those rural edits, so I put them out for them, really. Yeah, I noticed that on some of your, your comments, and I think you even... Um wrote like a community post asking um, your viewers like what would they like to see and what are the favorite things about your channel and uh, yeah raws and clips or hashtag shorts was uh, pretty high on the list I I can't help but it's kind of thinking it's kind of like um, a generational thing um, you know when I'm on Instagram it's also a thing there it's uh, people putting out shorts or quick edits or what do they call them on Instagram uh, reels reels that's right and, and you know they're 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 super fun uh, yeah, the format really catches you um but uh actually one of the, it got me thinking one of the things is your your edits um i think they very much reflect as you say like a like a mountain bike magazine where you're kind of uh well you're going more in depth and you're using this uh long format style and that appeals to a lot of people as well. Um, 
have you looked into anything or kind of have any feelings or thoughts about kind of the demographic or the, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. What are your thoughts on the shorts or the raw edits versus the normal long form edits that you're putting out? Okay. I mean, I think what I focus on is what you would call the long edits. If I compare myself to other YouTube channels, I think I keep mine a little bit shorter. One of my really big focuses is to not put anything that's superfluous into that edit. I'm pretty brutal when it comes to the cutting room. And if you'd looked on my cutting room floor, you'd find a lot of a lot of footage that's just been been thrown away. Um, if I start editing something and it comes out to 10 minutes, you can pretty much guarantee it would be seven or less by the time I've finished messing around with it. I, I really want to try and keep people's attention, even if it is a longer format. I've done some reels on Instagram. I did last, uh, last sort of late winter, early spring, I did the 30-day ride every day challenge, and I put out a reel every day like this really sort of short little edit with a little bit of music, 30 seconds long of, of what I'd been doing that day. And that was kind of fun. Um, but I think my focus is definitely on the kind of videos I like to watch. I mean, I'll be honest, there's, a, there's one video, there's one YouTuber that I watch a lot. And I think he's probably been quite a, quite a big influence for what I do. And that's uh, BCPOV. He's, my, without a doubt, my favourite mountain biking YouTuber. I, I watch him religiously every time. Um, and I love what he does. And I, I kind of, see my riding videos, I think, kind of lean a little bit towards the kind of thing he does as well. Eric does a great job, yeah. And so tell us about your 30-day ride challenge. Was it just around your house and your local trails? Mostly. Yeah. I did go to the Zuriberg for one of the rides I did there, which was fascinating. I've got a friend who used to live near there that I ride with quite a lot. So he went and showed me the trails there, and we uh, we found some camels on the trails, just like you do in, like, Feb... was it March? Normal <laughs> in Zurich Switzerland. Thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, just normal, just some camels on the trails. Um, otherwise, it was mostly around home, and then I went to Ticino for the finale, the final day. It was March trails were beautifully dry the skies were beautifully blue and we went down there and uh, did a weekend of riding just to finish the 30 days off beauty any massive fails or decent success successes i had a massive crash in the middle of it oh that'll put you off but didn't he didn't yeah. it's a, a local trail a trail i knew know really well but it's this long kind of sketchy set of steps and the trail was at the, at the bottom of the steps. There had been a landslide, a bit of the trail was missing. And I think the issue was I was talking to the camera and not paying attention to what I was doing. And just my front wheel slipped sideways and I went straight over the bars on these steps. And it's the only time I've ever crashed there. I know it really well. I shouldn't crash there, really, but that was probably the biggest fail. That make it onto the edit? Oh, for sure. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to check that out. Was it day it 15 the, or 16? Or? It was the end of one week. Okay. So it was, oh, wow. it was the perfect cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> Will he that finish was, his 30-day challenge? 
Yeah, yeah it was the, end of, the end of that week was literally me going over the bars oh. on this stair set. Oh, yeah. But uh, so you're speaking to the camera. I noticed you do a lot of, um, well, a lot, a fair share of, uh, of narration, which is, mm-hmm. which is wonderful, actually. It's really nice to have. Um, do you do some voiceover as well, like uh, when you're back in the studio or the cutting room floor or whatever? A lot. Yeah. That's probably what I do more of than anything else. Uh, speaking to the camera and writing's super challenging. Mm. I take my hat off to those people that can mm. just talk ten to the dozen while they're riding. I struggle. And that's why I tend to do a lot of narration afterwards. Once I get home, I uh, watch the footage over, and then I try and create a story around the ride, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I noticed that... Uh in the beginning of some of your rides, I guess, well, I haven't seen all your videos, so maybe you do it in all of them, but uh, you'll, you'll uh, have like a helmet mount or, or something and you'll, you'll flip it around so you can see yourself and you'll describe what you're doing or who you're with or something like that, um, which I find, uh, yeah, very well done. And um, it got me thinking, what kind of camera, do you just use a GoPro or do you have like a chesty and a helmet mount and a chin mount and... And all these things, a, a, a DJ flying drone and things like that as well? Okay, 100% GoPro. All right. right. That's all I use to I take up my footage. Occasionally, I might pull my phone out, but not very much. Um, I, up until now, I've been filming virtually everything with GoPro 8s. I had two GoPro 8s. One of them died in Spain. May God rest, rest his soul. In, rest, in, rest in peace, GoPro. Yeah, yeah. Poor GoPro. I've now bought myself a GoPro 10. And I've been out and I've done one ride with that and wow. Like, technology's come on amazingly in two years. The stabilization is out of this world. Um, I started off doing with a chest mount um, and now I do virtually everything with a chin mount. It's... I think the, the footage from the chest mount's a bit more immersive. You see a bit more bars and more trail. But the flexibility of the chin mount's amazing. You film wherever you look. So if someone says something or somebody is doing something else at the side trail, you just look over there and then you get that footage and you get lots of things that you otherwise wouldn't have got with the chest mount. So often I was looking at the chest mount footage and something was happening half on screen off to the side and it would have been great to include it, but it's unusable ultimately. I see. Now, so you get kind of a hybrid between a chest mount and a top of the helmet mount where the top of the helmet, you kind of almost see nothing except the atmosphere when the, the chesty, you're getting a little bit too many arm, bar, top tube, whatever it is. And, and also, yeah, as you said, you can't point it really. Like you would your 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 head, uh, I see. I um, really like that chesty angle. I think it looks great, mm-hmm. but it just lacks the flexibility for those other little interesting things that happen while you're out on the ride. Mm. So and you're riding mostly e-bikes? No, no. I have like a whole fleet of bikes at home. I'm like a inveterate bike collector. Oh, <laughs> I never sell a bike. Uh-huh. I gave one. A- I gave one away recently. In fact, I've given two away. I gave one to Africa a few years back. Right on. Like an, an old hardtail. And then I had an old 26-inch downhill bike that I gave to the son of a very good friend of mine in Germany. 
He's 16 years old and he loves mountain biking and he couldn't afford a bike and he was borrowing ones from friends. So I wrapped it up in a big box and sent it to him for his birthday. Passed on the stoke. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we like to see things like that. So um, let's see, you're doing some e-mountain bike reviews. Mm-hmm. And um, I think those are probably like the most popular in your channel at the moment. Mm-hmm. When I first uh, caught onto Trail Tracker. It was because of the Hookler Trail. And, um, yeah, I think you were the first one to do at least a decent, um, if not the first one, uh, to do a Hookler Trail POV. And uh, that's kind of how I got onto it. And I thought, okay, hey, there's a guy, uh, non-Swiss native, um, doing um, videos about riding in Switzerland. I was like, okay, actually, that's... A little bit like from my perspective, what I'm doing on the Skids and Giggles podcast is like, I'm not from Switzerland. I'm 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 in the process of becoming Swiss, I think. But um, it's also an English speaking media. Uh, and then with Pascal, we're we're kind of yeah spinning it that way. Um, I'm curious about now. It's a, it's I would say it's a really different. It's a really different media being being. Um, uh, audio and, vis- and visual, but uh, how's your feeling on the reception being? Um, because uh, yeah, I don't actually. I can't even come to. It doesn't even come to mind if there's Swiss people um, doing like in Swiss German, uh, kind of a trail trekker. So you're doing it in English. What's the reception like? It's great. I mean, I get people that write comments in german on my channel sometimes so i just write them back in german yeah that's no problem at all but um also the subtitles that come up automatically or the closed captions titles on youtube work pretty well i don't know whether it's because i've got like this clear english pronunciation that maybe helps this but i also get to see on my analytics how many people use the subtitles and there's a few, but it's it's not a huge number, I have to say. Um, I think there's so many people out there that understand enough English that that it works for them. I've also seen that I've got quite an audience in the UK and the States as well. So I think about 40% of my viewers come from Switzerland. And then the rest come from like the UK, America, Germany, and bizarrely enough, the Philippines. There is mountain biking there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, coming back to uh, the commenting and uh, your audience and the community that you've uh, started to develop and build with your uh, with your channel. Uh, as I said earlier, what I've noted is just like how, for that it's a place on the internet, how considerate and uh, polite the discussion is in the comment section of your videos. Have you, uh, have you noted and contrasted that to other YouTube channels? <laughs> And how, how, how did you get there? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've had the odd unpleasant comment, <laughs> for sure. I guess that goes with the territory. Um, but usually the way, people, the way people phrase an unpleasant comment, it just doesn't deserve an answer, I feel. Um, because there's nothing constructive about what they're offering. They've just got some sort of axe to grind and... I don't know them, they don't know me, but they still feel empowered to say something really unpleasant. 
and and so I just do my best to ignore it. In your heart of hearts, you feel it a little bit, but then I just try and put it behind me and, and, and just carry on. But like you say, few and far between. Mostly people are just really friendly and really cool. I think the majority of people that are out there and are watching these things are friendly, present people. The trolls are a small minority, and when you're not such a big channel, you probably don't come up on the radar of the trolls I think the bigger you get, the more likely you are to get these kind of really unpleasant comments. You know, kind of one follow-on question, obviously, from, from the analytics. You mentioned it, you, you're consulting that quite a bit. <clears throat> but are you also letting uh, the analytics drive a little bit, your content selection and what kind of uh, videos you're pursuing? Or are you, you know, putting that on one side? It's like, okay, well, this is what my my following wants and this is what the statistics tell me and... Uh, and this is what we're going to, but I want to do another trail video. Uh, so let's, let's just stick with that. A little bit, not much, a little bit. It's always in kind of in the back of my mind that I shouldn't do the same thing all the time. I just throw something in that's a bit different. If I haven't done a review or something for a long time, then I'll try and find a way of going and reviewing something. Cause I know people are really into it and they really like it. So I'll do that occasionally, just throw something in that's a little bit different to everything I've been doing before, which yeah. I guess is slightly informed by the analytics, because I know if I review something or do like a test, those are the videos that that get a lot of views, basically. Oh, I, think, sure. I think the one I've got with the most views is like, I think it's over 30,000 views now. And it's literally a video that I, I filmed and... I wasn't happy with it, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to put it out. And then I had no other videos to make. I had no footage, and I thought, oh, what the heck, I'll just put it out. And it was this one where I went and cycled up a hill and then changed my round chain ring for an oval one, and I cycled up the same hill again, and I just timed it. And it got view it's been viewed over 30,000 times now. Wild. There you go. Random. Can't predict it. Yeah. It is a big question. I oh, yeah. That's sometimes just how the how the internet goes. How the internet mm -hmm, goes. Mm -hmm. But um, <clears throat> you know, coming a little coming a little bit back to the uh, to the similarities between the trail tracker and uh, skits and giggles, and uh, you know the sense of community. I guess for us, always one of the you know one one goal that has been um, underpinning what we've been doing is of course like the, you know this element of, of giving back something to to the to the community. Um, kind of because, you know, we, we meet a lot of people, we know a lot of people, we get access to a lot of people through whichever way that is. And yeah, we just want to bring those stories out. And kind of, was that also oh, something that was part of your idea with the trail tracker? Or have you always been kind of something, I want to be this trail tracker independent of where I live and what I do. It's just kind of this thing on YouTube. And, uh, you know, it's great if people in Switzerland watch it. I think a big part of the initial motivation to do it was to show people some of the amazing places you go riding. I think where I live is a bit of a hidden secret. There's a lot of riding. A lot of people don't know it's there. And I just wanted to share that a little bit with people to show them the sort of things that are actually, if you live in Zurich or in Winterthur, it's on your doorstep, but maybe you don't know it. Well, apart from uh, BCPOVE, what other kind of mountain bike media are you consuming? Kind of is, was it, what, is, what else is influencing you? 
He's the one I watch a lot. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think what, what else do I watch. I'm trying to think, who is it when their video comes up? Who do I instantly click? And, and it's Eric and his wife, Yuka. In fact, I watched one of her videos just before we came on here. Those are the ones I watch a lot. Yeah, apart from that, I kind of graze. I think that's like the way I'd like to describe it. I kind of dip in and out a bit here and there. I've got, I know some other YouTubers um, personally, and there's some of those that I will always click on their video. I have personal interest to see what they're up to. What are they doing at the moment? I've got a very good friend who I ride with, lives around the corner from me, who has a YouTube channel. Um, and obviously I watch all his videos. We often ride together. And so it's really interesting to see his take on the ride we did together. I kind of like that. Yeah. Do you swap some tips for editing? Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> he was around at my house last week. Uh, no, sorry. He was around at my house last night. And, uh, and we were talking about editing and, you know, what soft, you know, what software we use. He now uses the same software as I do. He actually went and had to go and buy himself a, uh, a more powerful computer to make that software work. Things like that. Oh, I should, I should mention his name at some point in time. Is that cool with you guys? Yeah, please. Oh, for sure. So, so who is this other influencer or who is this other content creator? Okay, so he, he, his name's Christoph um, and his channel's CKMTB. I think he's got somewhere around 800 subscribers at the moment, around that. Um, he does, his whole channel though is in Swiss German. And oh, perfect. So I think that's, I think that's really impressive that, that he's got that kind of reach when he's just doing it in Swiss German because I think it's a little bit more of an uphill struggle. Um, but I, I really like the edits he does. I think they're, they're very cool. He's very natural in front of the camera. Um, and I think he's got a really nice way of explaining what's going on. They're definitely different types of videos to the ones I do, which is also pretty cool, especially when we're videoing the same ride. Yeah, I can see how it could create this like duality where you, you have two different perspectives, two different languages, same trail, and then you can also share the, ex this, the experience in the stoke. That's a really cool idea. Totally. And, and yeah, we feed off each other like little ideas. Hey, we could do that. Oh, what about that camera angle? Hey, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's kind of like how uh, Pascal um, motivated me to get, to get a nice microphone. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's the beginning of, uh, of everything. It starts with great sound. <laughs> but uh, on, a more, on a more technical note, I mean, uh, of course, I, I have my own GoPro. I use it mostly for, um, you know, for practice runs uh, for races and stuff. And, and one thing I always note is just how much data you collect when you do video. So <laughs> how, how are you dealing with all of this? Lacy five terabyte hard drives. Oh, there you go. They get warm on a daily basis. Lots of them. I've got three in my office. I got, okay, they're not full, but I've definitely got 10 terabytes of raw data. Wow. And are you just uh, putting them on, on those hard drives and then let them sit? Or are you eventually saying, well, if I haven't touched it in two years, I'm going to wipe the hard disk and uh, fill it with new stuff? Or how are you dealing with all of this? It's a bit like bikes. I don't throw bike. I don't sell bikes or throw them away. I don't think I'm going to end up selling these. I mean, hard drives aren't as expensive as they used to be. Um, five terabytes will do me about a year. About a year's worth of footage, I guess. And it's 120 francs. So 
somewhere between 120, 140 francs. And I'll invest that for a year to keep my footage. You never know when there's something you want. I'm just about to start editing a video now, and I know I'm going to be searching back through the hard drives for certain footage to put into that video. So, oh, for sure. But yeah, no, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, obviously, as I said earlier, I watched a couple of videos. I know those trails. And, you know, one, one example was the, the Seabfahrt in Flumseberg. And I know it's like, you know, if I'm on a cruisy run, that's whatever, 12, 13 minutes or whatever. And your video is uh, with commentating and narration and everything. It's five minutes. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> where did the rest go? But then again, you know, the, the trail is not uh, mega engaging all the way from top to the bottom. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot left on the, uh, on the cutting room floor, as you say. For sure. For sure. I mean, it's really important to me that I try and keep the videos engaging. You know, I'm, my aim is, this is the thing with YouTube, you always get all these statistics like, what percentage of your video has been watched? My aim is to make sure that on average, it's watched for over 50% of the time. And that's actually pretty good for YouTube. If you can get it watched over 50% of the time, then people are pretty engaged in it. So you've got some uh, great original content. Uh, have any... Um any brands or, or components, people approached you to do uh, some things for them? Yeah, every now and again, I get emails from people about various different products. Uh, I know somebody who's in mountain biking marketing, so I've had products from him to test out. Um, and you get a lot of Chinese companies approaching you with their latest product, and they'll send it to you, and it'll be utterly rubbish and it'll end up in the bin <laughs> as happened before now i tried one product and it was awful and i i think i literally filmed myself dropping it in the bin because it was so rubbish i also noticed you have a pretty decent following on Co uh komoot 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 yeah komoot wow that's how i say it whether well, that's the right <laughs> way to say it who knows i think that's the way they designed it um, do you have some kind of uh, collaboration with them or are you just kind of giving her and people are catching on? Yeah, no, I just use it. I, I tried Strava out for a while, but I, I definitely went away from Strava when I noticed that people were using my local trials as racetracks and trying to compare times with each other. You know, they're public footpaths. I just really felt if people are like trying to compete for times on public footpaths, we were one accident away from losing access. Um, and that's why I moved away from Strava for that reason. Um, and I went to Commute because it's great for planning rides. You can plan where you want to go. You can transfer it across to your phone. You can get turn-by-turn -turn navigation on your phone. Uh, I, I think it's just a really good product, um, and, and it's really useful. Yeah, and So that's why I use it. Especially the terrain types uh, feature. This is great. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I started following you. And um, actually, I was looking through a bit of it. And I also, I think I contacted you on, I don't know, I guess it was something you posted one time. Uh, I can't remember which media it was. But basically, I was like, uh, hey, Trail Tracker, are you going to release this on uh, Komoot? I want to see this track. And like, I want to go ride here because it looks amazing. And your reply was, uh, well, sorry, mate, I can't give it to you, but I can give you the name of the, the guide who took me there and, you know, he'll be happy to do it. And I, I, I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, well, that sucks. But, you know, um, 
yeah, I mean, I actually have to honor that because that's a really courageous thing to do. And I mean, I'd probably do the same thing if I didn't know the person that uh, try to pass on that to the to the guide so the guide can benefit it from as well. Um, and I think this brings um, a lot of oh, that community feel that uh, Pascal, you were talking about earlier. It's just like, how do we make mountain biking prosper? And it's by doing things like that. So big kudos to you, Darren. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was really important to me. Uh, I had this guide, I think it was in the south of France when I was riding down there. And he just showed me some of the most amazing riding. And without him, I would never have found it. And he was super kind. He actually sent me the GPX files if I wanted them as well for my own personal use. So if I wanted to go back and just try and ride on my own, that was cool. And I just thought to myself, I, I don't want to sell his, well, not sell his data, but just give his data away to somebody because he's doing it as a bit of a hobby. He's doing a great job. He knows some amazing places. And I thought it'd just be much cooler if people maybe contacted him. He's not like his guiding was even that expensive compared to a lot of guides you'd see elsewhere. Before we hit record, um, you mentioned that your students, so you're a lecturer in your professional life, your students found out that uh, you have a YouTube channel. Is there a funny story you can share with us, maybe before we close out the show? Just keep in mind, they are listening. <sighs> yeah, funny story. I mean, no, just just when they find out and then they come up to me and they ask me and the surprise in their voice is it's kind of cool. It's kind of interesting because obviously lecturer it's pretty a staid profession there's definitely a, an image that comes with that job and i guess you know mountain bike rider likes to ride downhill likes to jump as well that's just not in the 40 something lecturer category well we're getting towards the end of our time here so um we would like to move on to uh, our closeout questions if that's okay first one this year the first guest, uh, we are closing out the show with the questions. Um, so the first one we like to ask is uh, if you could tell us a little bit more about the that first bike that got you really stoked on riding. Oh, I know exactly which bike that was. Yeah. Um, it was a BMX. I was 11 years old and I had yearned after a BMX. Um, all I had was a racing bike and then I, I got this BMX I think it was for my birthday or something when I was 11 years old and I lived my life on that BMX it was a what was the make, it was a Piranha I think it was called <laughs> something back from the 80s, it had mag wheels had a like a, I don't know what else did it have it was so special, it was just had these great mag wheels, oh it had one of those those bent seat posts that were supposed to allow you to wheelie better and that was got, got me stoked. I learned to jump a little bit on that bike. Uh, I learned to endo. I spent hours doing 180 endos outside my house. I loved that bike. And then I'd hang around with my mates on it. I learned to bunny hop. That was the big thing. I learned to bunny hop on that bike. And that obviously really helps later. That was what really got me into it, I guess. Nice. Great, great story. Okay, well, then... Second question is, uh, please imagine yourself um, as Harry Skidini, a uh, imaginary bike magician extraordinaire. 
And you can make riding a bike more awesome for anyone by the stroke of a magic dropper post. What would you do? Oh, that magic dropper post. I'd have that magic dropper post with me everywhere I went. And I'd use that magic dropper post to give people fresh rubber. I'd like ride around. I'd see people, hey, dude, you look like you need some fresh rubber. Bing! Oh man! Oh, it's really wet and muddy. Fancy some mud tires? Bing! Because I mean, I just think fresh rubber is the most amazing thing. I have friends and people ask me like, oh, "I'm going on holiday here. What should I do to my bike?" I'm like, "Buy fresh rubber. If you're going on holiday, get fresh rubber. That will you'll have the best time." That's what I do with it. I just love to be that guy that goes around everywhere, go, "Hey, fresh rubber, dude. Ah, enjoy. Have a good time. That'd be cool." All right, with your magic drop post, you're gonna set yourself off up on a on a decent corner. Uh, with some, you're gonna you're gonna watch some riders come down with some speed, pulling some big drifts and skids, and you're gonna be granting these guys mag, uh, new rubber. But while you're standing there watching, you're you're witnessing some amazing skids. And if you could pick one out and describe it to us today, what would make the perfect skid? A synchronized skid with friends what? where you can pile in, in to like this big open. It doesn't even need to be in a corner, just this big open space. And everyone rips that rear brake all at the same time. And there's this beautiful synchronized skid to a halt. Those are the best skids. Nice. I feel that one. I love it. Yeah. I feel, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Well, Darren, that was awesome. Thank you very much for your time and, and all the insights. Um, if uh, listeners have any questions, they want to find more about you, your channel, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on YouTube. Uh, you can find me, Trail Tracker, tracking down all those great trails that you want to see and go and ride for yourselves. Well, I'm sure we'll put that up in the show notes and uh, you guys can find it there. Darren, thanks again. We had a blast and uh, I hope to see you soon somewhere out on the trails. Yeah, I hope so too. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. As we mentioned at the top of the show, you can find all the links and the relevant info to this episode in the show notes. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, why don't you share it with your riding buddies? It really helps us grow our show and reach more cool people like you. That's great advice, Pascal. I really enjoyed making the episode as well. And I'm really looking forward to all the cool stuff we're going to be doing in 2022. So stay tuned, guys.